right, everybody, I'm Duke Lamastra, and you're listening to the Simple Power Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode 10. Really grateful that you're here. So let's just go ahead and jump right in to it. I'm going to just be kind of sharing with you from my heart this week a very simple truth, and the truth is this. You can do the impossible when Jesus tells you to. That if God speaks to you and he gives you an impossible task, an impossible command, you can actually stand on that word that you received because within the very word of God itself is the capacity, it's the ability of God, the power of God, the grace of God, the favor of God to carry out the task that he's given you, the command that he's given you, the promise that he's given you, the assignment that he's given you. It's it's all available to you within the word itself. So if God has spoken to you and he's maybe he showed you something about your future or about something that uh, you're supposed to do with your life or whatever the case may be, whenever God speaks to you and it looks impossible, just know that, yeah, in your own strength, it is impossible, but the word of God itself becomes the very thing that you can stand on. And within the word of God is the power the very ability of God to carry out that impossible assignment that he's given you. I'm going to be talking to you about this from two stories in the Bible, and you'll find it in Matthew. We're going to be primarily in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 33. You'll also find it in Luke chapter 9, and you'll also find it in Mark chapter 6. But in Matthew chapter 14, we see two stories that happen in consecutive fashion. First of all, we've got the feeding of the 5,000, and we've got the story where Jesus walks on water. Now, if you ever spent any amount of time in Sunday school, you would be very familiar with these two stories. They're very familiar passages of scripture, but maybe you're like me and you didn't realize, or for a long time, I didn't realize how closely connected these two stories are, and you'll actually see that in just a minute if you've never seen that before. First of all, when we get into Matthew chapter 14, just so that you understand the context and what's going on, Jesus has just received word that John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, the one who went before Jesus and was baptizing people that were coming out to see him. He was baptizing people in the Jordan River. It was a baptism of repentance. He was preaching, repent or change your thinking for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was the one sent out into the wilderness before Jesus, before the Messiah to prepare the way for Jesus to come on the scene and begin his earthly ministry. So John the Baptist was a very important guy. And Jesus receives word in Matthew chapter 14 that John the Baptist has been beheaded. He's been uh, murdered in prison. And so the Bible says that Jesus, the, the way that he responded, it says that he departed by boat to go to a deserted place, he and his disciples with him. Now, what happened was, and this was sort of normal, but Jesus and his disciples, they got in the boat to go across the sea and they were going to this deserted place. But the people that saw them get into the boat, this multitude of people, they walked around on foot and actually beat Jesus and the disciples there. So when Jesus and the disciples came off of the boat, they actually saw this multitude of people. And the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion, that even though he went there to kind of get some alone time to be by himself, presumably to spend time with his father, as he did as often as he possibly could, 
but he was moved with compassion when he saw the multitude of people. And the Bible says that he began to heal their sick. Now, we're talking about a multitude of people. The Bible says that it was around 5,000 men. Now, that doesn't include women and children. So, you know, we're dealing with a group of at least 5,000 people, but maybe more like 10 or 15,000. We don't even know how many were there, but it was a vast number of people. It was a multitude of people. Now, after this goes on for a while and Jesus is having compassion and he's healing their sick and all that, the disciples come to Jesus and it's late now and they're like, okay, Jesus, it's late. We're in a deserted place. We have all these people here and they have nothing to eat and we don't have any food to give them. So they, they tell Jesus, we need to send these people away so that they can go into the towns and villages and, this, and so that they can get themselves something to eat. Jesus responded to the disciples and he's like, no, you don't need to send them away. They don't need to go away. And he says, you, you give them something to eat. That was the word of Jesus to the disciples. You give them something to eat. I imagine they were like, uh, what, what are you talking about? Jesus, we didn't bring that much food. What are we going to do? And I love what Mark's account says here. It says that Jesus asked them the question, how many loaves do you have? Now, if you're familiar with the story, you know that there was a there, there was a little boy there in the multitude that had five loaves of bread. It was his lunch. So we're probably talking about like maybe biscuits or something like that. He had five pieces of bread and he had two fish. And so Jesus asked the disciples, well, how many loaves do you have? And I just want to make a quick point here that nothing in the kingdom of God begins with lack. Now, I imagine that the disciples, you know, they might have been thinking to themselves, well, you know, we've got no food here. What do you mean you give them something to eat? Like, how are we going to do that? But Jesus asks them the question, what do you have or how many loaves do you have? Whenever we approach an impossibility or an impossible situation, whenever we try to approach an assignment that God has given us, starting from a place of lack or starting from a place of what we don't have, then we're already starting off on the wrong foot. Because what you need to realize is that even in the midst of impossibilities, that the power of God is there and God looks at that circumstance. He looks at that situation. He looks at that impossibility in a different way. Heaven always has an agenda and heaven looks at a situation and says, even though this is impossible for man in his own efforts, there is no lack. There is no limit to what God can do. So nothing in the kingdom of God starts with lack. So Jesus says, what do you have? How many loaves do you have? And so they bring these five loaves and these two fish to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus blessed and broke the bread and he began to give it to the disciples and the disciples distributed it to the people. They began to pass it out. And as they passed out the food to the people, they saw something miraculous happen that they would hand out the bread and the bread would multiply, that they would hand out the food and it would just, it was never ending. It was just multiplying over and over again to the point that they fed all of these thousands and thousands of people. And at the end, the Bible says that there were 12 baskets full of leftover fragments. Now they started with something so small, but God was not limited by what they had or by what they didn't have. And it's really important to note what happened here because the disciples, they responded to the word of Jesus to them. Jesus said, you guys give them something to eat. 
And even though, you know, I don't know exactly how they responded, if they immediately just said, okay, let's do it, or, you know, whatever the case may be, but they did it. They obeyed. They followed the word of Jesus. And on his word, they began to distribute the food. And they saw the miracle happen. It happened in their hands. It happened through their hands. It happened with them being a part of it. They were a part of this miraculous happening because they responded in obedience to the word of Jesus, even in the midst of an impossible situation. Now, the Bible says that immediately... So that word immediately should tell you that one story connects seamlessly to the next story. There was no break in between. So they get done feeding all these people, ministering to all these people. Now it's even later. It's late at night now. And it says immediately the disciples got into the boat. So Jesus sends the disciples into the boat and says, you guys go to the other side. But Jesus didn't get in the boat with them. He went back and found finally a deserted place for himself where he could be alone to be with his father. Now, as Jesus is alone with his father and the disciples are out on the water, the Bible says that a windstorm arose, the wind was contrary, that the boat was tossed by the waves, and that they were they were toiling at rowing, they were having a difficult time. And then Jesus went to them walking on the water. Jesus went walking on the water. And when the disciples first spotted Jesus walking on the water, their initial reaction was, it's a ghost. So they were they went into fear because they thought that they were looking at a ghost. And Jesus, recognizing that they were afraid, he speaks up and he says, Hey guys, be of good cheer. It's just me. Don't be afraid. Now, here's what I really want to get at this week. Peter looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. Now think back to the experience that Peter and all of the disciples had just had with Jesus, where he gave them an impossible command. He said, you give them something to eat. And as they responded in obedience, they saw something miraculous happen, unlike anything that they had ever happened, that that they'd ever seen, excuse me, happen before. So now Peter's like, all right, this is my imagination. All right. Peter's like, all right, Lord, I don't know if that's really you or not. You're walking on the water. I've never seen you do that before. Everybody else in the boat thinks that it's a ghost. You're saying that it's you, Lord. So listen, I'm going to ask you to command me to do something impossible because I know that if you command me to do something impossible and I can do it, then I know that it's you, Jesus, because I just learned something in the previous experience that I had with you, that when you give me an impossible command, that when I'm faced with an impossibility and you tell me to do it, that I actually have have a release of power that I'm actually able to accomplish that impossibility on your word. So Peter was learning something. Peter had seen the miracles already. They had been through experiences with Jesus and just coming through this last experience with the feeding of 5,000 people with only five loaves of bread and two fish. And he's coming to this conclusion in his mind. Okay, when Jesus gives me an impossible command, I can do it. I can do the impossible when Jesus tells me to. So he says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. And Jesus just says one word, at least in the New King James Version, he says one word. He says, come. And on that word, uh, this is where you really need to get it. Not just on the water, but on the word, Peter began to walk on the water. Now, this is where 
traditionally, I've seen Peter get a bad rap. You know, I've seen people, oh, well, you know, Peter, he just began to doubt and he began to sink and all this stuff. But I want you to pay attention to something. Peter actually walked on the water, first of all. I've never done that. Chances are you've never done that. So let's not be so hard on Peter, all right? But Peter saw the waves and he began to become intimidated by the size of the waves and he lost his focus on Jesus and he began to focus on the waves and on what was going on around him. And the Bible says that he began to sink. I don't know about you, but I've spent a lot of time in the water. I grew up, I had a pool in my backyard and I was in it every day in the summer. I spent a lot of time at the beach, been to a lot of lakes and boating and jumping off rocks and bridges into water and all that kinds of stuff. And I'm just telling you, there's never been a single time in my life when I jumped into the water or I stood on top of the water and I began to sink. I've never once in my life begun to sink in water. I just sank every single time. I just sank right away. Whenever I tried to step out onto the water, I just sank immediately because you don't begin to sink in water. But the Bible says that Peter started to look at the wind and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. So look, Peter is beginning to sink and apparently he had time while he was beginning to sink to actually cry out, Lord, save me. And the Bible says that immediately Jesus lifted him up. Now, here's what I'm trying to get at. Even when Peter was beginning to sink in the water, he was still doing something that was miraculous. He was still doing something that was impossible because you don't begin to sink in water. You just go all the way under. <laughs> and so Peter, he's beginning to sink because he's focusing on the, the wind. He's focusing on the waves. He's focusing on the problem. He's focusing on the stuff and he begins to get overwhelmed and he began to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus saved him. Sometimes we have an assignment from God and we begin to go after it and we begin to follow after him in obedience. We begin to, you know, get some boldness and we respond in faith to the word of the Lord, to what he's spoken to us. And maybe it looks good at the beginning or, or, you know, we feel good about it, but then sooner or later, whether it's a couple steps in or a couple hundred steps in, whatever it is that maybe we begin to get distracted by the wind and the waves and the stuff that's going on around us, the storm that's going on around us, the stuff that was actually there the whole time. But as long as we had our eyes on Jesus, we didn't really notice it. But as soon as we begin to focus on the problems and on the impossibilities, we can very easily get overwhelmed and we can begin to sink and we can begin to lose sight of what he's promised us and what he's spoken to us. And so Peter cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus lifts him up. And then Jesus says these words to Peter. He says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I know that a lot of people might look at that as a rebuke, but what if like Jesus didn't really get so frustrated and disappointed with, with people just that quick? I mean, Peter really did just have a great victory. He walked on the water. He did something impossible. He did something that as far as we know, none of the other disciples or anybody else had ever done. And Jesus is like, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? In other words, don't you recognize the fact that when I command you to do something, that when I tell you to do something, that when I give you an assignment, that when I say something like, hey, it's okay, they don't need to go away, you give them something to eat, 
that I'm actually giving you a word that you can stand on. And within that word is the power of God, the very ability of God to carry out the assignment, no matter how difficult, no matter how impossible it might be. So in other words, trusting God and believing him for the impossible is a normal way of life for us. He's like, why did you doubt? Don't you recognize that there's never a situation in your life that merits your doubting God? Because he really is that good. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to forget about you. He's never going to forget about his promise towards you. He's never going to forget about the assignment being carried out and being fulfilled. He's actually already looked ahead and he's already provided. And he would never tell you to do something or invite you into something. He would never tell you to do something impossible without first giving you absolutely everything that you need in order to carry it out. It doesn't always look like that. You know, some, the the wind does get strong. The waves get big. The situation around us, a lot of times it begins to look overwhelming. The circumstances around us can begin to look overwhelming, but no matter what is going on, always keep your focus on Jesus. There's never a situation to doubt how good he is and how faithful he is to complete the work that he's begun in you. Hebrews 10.23 says these words, Let us hold fast the confession of our faith, or some translations say the confession of our hope, without wavering, for he that promised is faithful. We hold fast to the confession. That word confession is the word homologio in Greek, and it means to say the same thing as we hold fast to, we cling to, declaring and saying the same thing as God, the same thing as heaven, the same thing that he showed us from the beginning, the same thing that he's promised us from the beginning. We hold fast to it. We don't give up on it just because of the way that it looks. We hold on to it in spite of the way that it looks because we know that he who promised is faithful, that he who has begun a good work in us will be faithful to bring it through to its completion. He's just that good. So Peter and Jesus, they get back into the boat. And I love the way that this story ends. It says that those in the boat worshiped. They began to worship Jesus saying, truly, you are the son of God. And I love this because even though Peter did not do everything perfectly, like he got out there on the water and it wasn't like the greatest victory of all time because he did, you know, get distracted and he did begin to doubt and he did begin to sink and he did begin to get into fear and he did get overwhelmed and all of that. But we got to remember that he was still bold enough to step out in faith and to say, Jesus, command me to come to you. And, And when Jesus gave him the command, he didn't even hesitate. He stepped out of the boat. He was bold enough to take a risk. And what that risk, what that boldness, what that act of faith, what it actually did was it resulted in everybody else in the boat having an experience with Jesus that maybe, just maybe, they wouldn't have had the opportunity to have had Peter not stepped out in faith to do the impossible. In other words, if Peter didn't stand up and Peter didn't take that stand and Peter didn't step out in faith and Peter didn't step out in boldness and respond in obedience to the word of the Lord, then maybe everybody else in the boat, maybe they never would have had an opportunity to see Jesus in the way that they saw him that night. But they saw the miraculous happen. They saw one of their own, a part of the miraculous And they got to experience something that night that maybe they had never experienced before. 
Listen, I think that this is the bigger picture of trusting in God. The bigger picture of trusting God and being obedient to His voice. To hold on to, to cling to the promises of God no matter what it looks like. The big picture is that there are people all around you that are going to see the goodness of God revealed in your life. They're going to see the glory of God revealed in your life as you step out in faith, as you step out in boldness, as you respond to the voice of God, to the word of God, to the promises of God in obedience, knowing that he's got your back, knowing that he who promised is faithful, that he will complete the work that he's begun. Because when you step out in faith, in spite of the circumstances and in spite of what it looks like, your life actually becomes a reflection of the goodness and the glory of God. Alright guys, that will do it for episode 10. I look forward to being back with you guys as always next Monday, 6 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Central. I hope you guys have a great week. Have a happy Thanksgiving and I will see you next time.